Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we surrender this time before you. I ask that you move in our hearts and that you might reveal truths to us, that you might remove burdens from us. Spirit, be present in this place, stirring our hearts to goodness, to forgiveness, to joy and to grace. Amen. We are talking about forgiveness in Rhythms of Grace today. A topic uh, that I don't think we'll ever have to use at church, but, you know, you occasionally has to preach on it. Um, yes, there's a little tongue-in-cheek there. In 23 minutes, we're going to run through the entirety of the Old Testament, um, outline every single offence that was committed, and then we're going to unpack that and, and come to a place where we realise the significance and need for forgiveness and to do that well. Um, and that, that really does connect quite strongly with the idea of conflict. So how do we process through conflict, do conflict management well, and get to a place where we can bring about peace? Okay? And um, it really is fascinating when you look through Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, and you start to unpack some of the biblical characters' flaws. Okay? Um, Adam succumbs to peer pressure, Cain murders his brother, Noah was a drunk, Abraham let others walk off with his wife on two separate occasions, Sarah allowed her husband to sleep with another woman, Isaac concealed his marriage, Reuben slept with the concubine of his father, Moses had anger issues and killed a man, Aaron made an idol, Samson took his own life, Saul had anger management issues, deep depression and ultimately took his own life, David was an adulterer and a murderer, and Solomon was a sex addict. It's good. Our biblical heroes. Um, I haven't even touched the New Testament yet. I can let you do that in your own time, but I'll give you the highlights. We basically have Scripture littered with a litany of broken people with big issues that God uses in extraordinary ways. Now, the truth is, is that forgiveness really does sit as a a heartbeat for the Christian walk. And our ability to process and work through conflict in a godly and honourable manner so that we can get to a place of peace before God is essential. Now, this passage that we just had read deals with this idea. Now, I didn't read this part, but right at the very end... Uh, verse 24 of 3 says, uh, Since um, you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord that you are serving. Anyone who does what wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Whose onus is it to repay the wrong? Is it yours? I mean, is the idea here that we should be judge dread, judge, jury, and executioner? It does say that they will be repaid for their wrong. It does say that God shows no favoritism, which is really good in in the sense of a justice. Um, Do we have any lawyers in the room? We want a fair and unbiased judge who shows no favoritism, don't we? If we are to seek um, proper recourse then we want a judge that shows no uh, impartiality. Is that the right word? Feels right. Feels right. We'll go with it. It's hard, though, because uh, as God's 
chosen people, holy and dearly love, we should clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Why? Because we are going to bear with one another. And this is really significant because if you look around the room, we all come from uh, different backgrounds, socioeconomically, culturally, uh, generationally. There are different people from different walks of life in the room and we have experienced over the courses of our lives many different things. We have refugees in the room who have had to flee their country and they bring with them a perspective. We have migrants from foreign countries who have been used to a certain cultural way and now find themselves in an Australian environment. And guess what? It occasionally gets abrasive. And so the ability for us to clothe ourselves with these things, compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience, will allow us to bear with one another. Because what is the one thing that unites us? Jesus. I mean, the extraordinary thing is that the refugees and the migrants in the room worship the very same God that we do here in Australia. That they do in the United States, that they do even in New Zealand. And that very same God that we all are united by in one spirit here in this room is transforming lives and hearts all around the world. Even in Burma. My wife's been there. She has. Was it Myanmar? I don't know. Yeah, when you went? Yeah. They changed the name. I think their finances are now in base six because they had a dream about it. They need a lot of prayer. Thank you, James. Um, forgiveness becomes an essential tool for a Christian community to work through their difficulties. Okay? And we need to be able to figure out a way to do this well. In fact, I, I believe it's the, the Mennonites, which is kind of a, a subsect of Christianity. If you think of Christianity as Baskin and Robbins ice creams, there are many flavors within the store. One of them that you can get is the Mennonite ice cream flavor. And they are very good at conflict resolution and peacemaking. And when I say they are very good, they are considered world leaders in this. In fact, the UN often adopts some of the Mennonite strategies for peacemaking, okay? So Christians are world leaders when it comes to peacemaking and conflict re resolution. And so what does forgiveness look like? Well, forgiveness, uh, I wanted to get kind of a biblical dictionary definition of that, is the wiping out of an offense from memory. It can be affected only when uh, it can be affected only by the one affronted. Once eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender and the affronted, and harmony is restored between the two. The Bible stresses two types of forgiveness: a human forgiveness and a divine forgiveness. The latter, the divine forgiveness, is a divine act by which the removal of sin and consequences is effected. So Jesus takes away our sin 
and we are therefore forgiven. And Austin said it so well, we didn't do a whole bunch in that. In fact, we might have hindered the process a little bit. I felt that was really apt, which means that everyone in this room has experienced a divine forgiveness. Now, this is a really significant thing, is that divine forgiveness on every single layer needs to affect the way we enact human forgiveness. That's a big thing. Because, and this is from Hebrews 10, 19 and 20, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that is opened up through the curtain that is his body. And we'll talk about this at Easter, but on the day that Jesus dies, what happens to the temple curtain? It rips. And what did they do? They sewed it back up again. It's not a joke. The temple curtain ripped and the Jewish synagogue leaders took out a thread and sewed it back up again. If we are to get to a place of forgiveness, then we need to stop sewing up the curtain and making this a holiness conversation. If you were just a little bit more godly, then we could get to a place of forgiveness. You are sewing up the curtain when you say stuff like that. Because I'll tell you right now that when that curtain was torn, God was not interested in your level of holiness. He was opening up a doorway by his blood so that you might find forgiveness. And that is the baseline for the kind of forgiveness that we bring into every single one of our conversations, which is why we are clothed in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which will allow us to bear with one another through our differences. You cannot tell... I mean, you could write a comedy sitcom on churches. We've all had strange conversations in the room, haven't we? Don't make eye contact with the person you had it with, but we've all had those moments where we've, we've had a big, long conversation. We've walked away going, what was that? But if we are clothed in compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, I mean, we could go and get the fruit of the Spirit into this conversation as well, then we can find a way to traverse that. We become stronger, bolder, and more wise when we surround ourselves with people who aren't like us. The strength of the room is the diversity within the room. We have believers in the room who have been a believer for 50 years, longer than I've been alive. I'm 25. (laughs) We have believers in the room who have been here three days. And guess what? They both bring incredible strength into the room. We have perspectives that span multiple countries and multiple cultures and multiple backgrounds. And as iron sharpens iron, we become stronger in a room that is diverse. The last thing that I want to happen, and I know this from Paul as well, is we don't want this room to look like a bunch of people who are all the same. If we start to homogenize this room 
and get the same demographics and the same socioeconomic backgrounds, then we might as well shut the doors because we're not on mission from God anymore. But if we have a diverse room with diverse cultural backgrounds, diverse opinions, sometimes strong opinions, then we're going to have to deal with conflict well and find a path to forgiveness. We cannot assume that there are two different models, one that Jesus plays for us and one that we take then to use for everyone else. We are not the judge. We are not the one who brings about justice. And if we're honest, everybody in this room, we all have challenges. We've all got issues. We've all got character flaws. Don't we? You know? On that note, I'd like to invite Carly up to speak on all my challenges. And... <laughs> Is it 11 minutes? It's not enough time. Okay. I understand. We've all felt what it's like to commit a grievance and ask for forgiveness. And then, quote, Verse 18 of this passage. Wives, submit to your husbands. No, we've never yet. We know what it's like, don't we, to commit a grievance. We know what it's like to hurt somebody and ask for forgiveness. And we know the power that resides in forgiveness when it's issued from the heart and it brings about harmony and restoration. We also know the sting of injustice. We know what it feels like to have a grievance committed against us and desperately want to be, it's a cartoon reference, but judge dread, judge, jury and executioner, bring about swift justice. And the compassion and patience required to walk through that process humbly to bring about the harmony. You are not supposed to carry the hurt. And one of the most powerful aspects of healing that we see in Scripture is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can lay those hurts at the feet of Jesus and know that he will bring about justice in his own time. That's the hard part. Because when do we want it? Now. When do we want it? Immediately. He's the good judge. He knows our pain because he's endured it. He knows what we are carrying. And he's willing to pick it up for us. And he will bring about that justice in his own good time. The hard thing is when we talk about healing and conflict management and forgiveness, it's absolutely impossible for me to do it in 23 minutes and 54 seconds because your timer was broken. I needed 25. Um, years ago, I did this thing called the Peacemakers Course. A guy called Ken Sandy wrote a book on it. Um, and if you ever listen to Ken speak, he's one of the most boring individuals I've ever heard. But the content of what he says is profound and brilliant and uh, I remember uh, yeah 
gosh, it's over 10 years ago, sitting in a room for four days and doing this course and just being like, when is it going to end? And it was like year after year after year after doing that course, it kept on circling back around to the significance of conflict management that he was bringing forward. And I was like, this is one of the most profound, um, well-thought-out, well-resourced ways for us to deal with conflict and get to a place of forgiveness. Now, I've downloaded the PDF of that particular course, and I want to make it available to the entire church. It's really simple. It's really clear. As you read it, you're going to go, this is Matthew 18, but over 25 pages. But for anyone who is dealing with conflict in their lives and feels like they haven't brought about that forgiveness that brings harmony, this is a way that we can all as a church work through that together and get a much better perspective on a place whereby we can be peacemakers. Um, I'll probably get that to Keila, Johan, maybe, you? Brilliant. Our ability to forgive and release to Jesus is the very thing that will separate us from the rest of the world. Our ability to traverse deep hurt, deep, deep hurt, find a place where we can seek forgiveness and lay that at the feet of Jesus and restore harmonies in our relationship will make the world stand up and go, what is going on there? I cannot for the life of me remember her name now, but it happened, was it a year and a half ago? Christian lady lost her children and her husband in a car accident and said on national TV, I forgive the driver. Is that right? It's one of the most powerful moments. But what she said something really simple and really true is that she says, like, if Jesus has forgiven me for my sins, then I need to forgive this man for what he has done. And like Sydney of Australia was in like shock. This woman has just lost her entire family and she is on the day that it is happening, willing to forgive. There is a profound amount of hurt that she is working through. Um, And I think um, Hope has got a follow-up story with her, but just watching that unfold, here is a woman who has understand the divine forgiveness that she has received and she is putting it into work with human forgiveness. And it stands as a testimony to the power of Jesus by the power of his spirit to change lives. That we might be peacemakers, leading the charge with conflict management in a way that brings about forgiveness, not as a sign of weakness, but as a sign of strength and endurance, that we will clothe ourselves with that compassion, with that gentleness, with that kindness, with that patience, so that we might bear with one another through whatever character flaws we might have. And can I suggest that in the next season, post-April 6, when um, Paul and Renee take a well-deserved break, 
that there are going to be moments when you are going to be frustrated that I am not Paul. Because <laughs> Paul is a very good pastor and very good at a lot of things that Duncan is not very good at. And you will start to learn those things. And when you get frustrated, I'm going to point to you, Colossians 3, and I'm going to say, let us work through this together patiently. Because we love this church, don't we? I didn't hear that enough. We love this church, don't we? Yes. And we want to see it be a beacon of hope for this community here. Do we believe that this church is here with a purpose that God ordained it to be here? Otherwise, we can close it down, right? There's six other churches in the neighborhood that someone could go to. So we believe this church, specifically created by God, is here for a reason for this community. Then we've got a challenging season to traverse together. And it's one of the things that, I, you know, it, it may seem strange when you see Johan put it up. Here's the interim phase. We're going to vote on a senior pastor phase. But that's really important, is that the next senior pastor, whoever that might be, needs to be voted for by the members of this community. And I, I do not believe that I'm it if you don't say I'm it. So I'm not going to be presumptuous and assume that. This is not an Anglican system. This, this is one of the... And this is a Churches of Christ thing that I think is really strong, is that it's the priesthood of all believers. Everybody in the... Well, yeah, okay, all right, easy. <laughs> Donald, let me unpack it a bit, but I'm with you. Amen? <laughs> is that in a priesthood of all believers... The members of the congregation have an opportunity to vote on that. And I think that that's really powerful. I think that that's really significant. And, and um, this is not part of the message, but I've got two minutes because I'm that, that good at communicating. Um, is that as we go on this process through the interim phase, what we'll find ourselves is reaffirming what we believe our church to be. And in doing that, you will start to see the kind of lead pastor that you want to have as your church leader. And in doing that, we'll be able to say, these are the traits that we are looking for. This is the person that we want to lead us into the next season. And we'll start to unpack that. And we'll start to come to that place together. We'll start to affirm all the qualities that we love about this church, right? And then that will give us clarity, especially for our interim leader, to say, this is the kind of senior pastor that we're going to go after. And I want a job, but I want the right job. And I think if we come together as a community and we can figure that out, then that will make the process for whoever's next steps up here as a senior pastor to go, that's the person I want. And I was there on the journey and I was part of that. Now, that is a little bit more messy. And that takes a little bit more time. But I think the result is something that we can all stand unified and say that's who we wanted. And we can champion that. And that's what I love about our church, is the priesthood of all believers. We are going to have to work through conflict 
and disagreement well in the next season. Which means that we, are have, to, we have to be champions of forgiveness. Which means we need to constantly remind ourselves of who did it for us first. Before we even wanted it. And for the audio guys, I'm pointing at the giant picture of Jesus on the wall on the cross. Because he's the guy. He's the guy who did it for us first. So let us be champions of forgiveness and willing to bear with one another because we have clothed ourselves in those things. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, move in this place that you might ease that burden upon our heart. Lord, that we might be willing and ready to walk the process of forgiveness, seeking restoration and bringing about harmony. And where we have differences, Lord, that they might make us strong. And where that we have disagreements that we might learn through them, that we might grow, that we might be like iron sharpening iron, Lord, so that we might be more fully rounded, that we might obtain uh, a, um, a bolder fullness in you, Lord, that we might be united by you, that through your spirit you might be working in all our hearts so that we might walk together in harmony. Amen.